It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to Talent Talk. It's Tuesday, it's 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, so we are here ready to go. have two fantastic guests lined up for you and for us to have a great conversation about talent. In fact, that is the reason that this whole show was started. It was I love to have conversations with people who are extremely talented themselves and have secrets and uh, great things to share with us that we might take back into our own lives and, and try to implement, as well as incredible experience in managing their talent and the people in their side, their organizations, whether entrepreneurs or their heads of HR or talent or head, head of people, uh, whatever it may be, that their experiences and the things that they're going through and thinking about we can take and use in uh, really a positive way like I said, back in our lives, back in our companies right away. Uh, we've had so many fantastic stories uh, from so many amazing leaders. Uh, I put uh, a bunch of them in a book uh, that came out uh, back in 2018. It was a bestseller called The Power of Company Culture. So if you're interested in some of the best stories from the radio show, as well as what we did in my own company and what some of the best companies in the world are doing, check that book out. Um, Talent Talk is live every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, as I already mentioned, but most of you access us after the fact. So aside from close friends and family and uh, people like uh, maybe very avid listeners who, who come in live, most of you get us on iTunes or iHeartRadio or Stitcher or wherever you find your podcast, maybe Podbean. Big thank you to everyone. You can go to talenttalkradio.com right now and subscribe, or if you use iTunes or whatever app you use to get your uh your uh, podcast. We'd love to have you go in there right now and uh, subscribe and like and rate us. Make sure you never miss a show. So, uh, and one of the other fun things that we do during the show when it's live uh, is we do post the best little comments and links to books and contact information for our guests and all the things that you might be would have probably thought to write down, but maybe you're not in a place where you can write it all down. So, whether you are listening live or after the fact, you can go to at people g2 on Twitter. Or you can look up that hashtag Talent Talk, and you can see all those best comments. You can follow it live. You can ask your own questions, uh, make your own suggestions, and interact with our guests by going there as well. And it's a fun little thing to do, uh, kind of an add-on to the show. So my social media maven, Sarah, will make sure that all those are going in live here, and you can uh, interact with us there. So let's let's talk about who's on the show, though, this week. Uh, my guest today will include uh, Jeff Blanton. He's the president of the Blanton Group. And then we'll bring in bring in uh, Nick uh, Kavatu. He's the founder and CEO of Kavatu X and a mentor mind guru. So uh, Nick will join me in the second half of the show. We'll bring him in later. But let's go ahead and get to my first guest. Really excited to bring in uh, Jeff Blanton. Jeff, uh, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Chris. It's a real pleasure to be on your show. Well, why don't you introduce yourself to everyone? Let us know what's uh, important to know about you, uh, the work that you're doing, kind of the, uh, I guess, get us caught up on who you are and what you're doing. Yeah, love to do that. Um, yeah, I'm, so I'm a, a speaker, I'm an author, and a leadership consultant. And what I focus on is uh, helping leaders accomplish their greatest goals, you know, like those things that uh, you always put off, is, but actually is going to change your future. So the whole goal is, is to help folks actually deliver on those so they can create significant success in their business. And uh, we have a very unique process for getting that done, which uh, we call jailbreak leadership. And so uh, this came around. I've uh, been out here for over 40 years. Started out as a corporate guy. I spent 20 years from a uh, large corporate on down to a successful startup 20 years ago. And then launched my own consulting business, which focused on uh, helping folks to deliver on strategic projects. But um, about a year and a half ago, we launched the jailbreak leadership process, which has a, kind of a unique, a unique bent on uh, helping folks really 
uh, take things to the next level. So jailbreak leadership, I guess, you know, we can kind of start there. Maybe we can kind of break it down here. What's the premise of that? I mean, what, what, are, you, what are you trying to solve? What's the problem maybe you're trying to really address uh, inside of organizations by bringing that in there? Well, the, uh, this all started 40 years ago when I got out of college. I really was excited about jumping into work. I thought this was going to be like the most amazing thing ever. And uh, my first job out of school, I think kind of happens to a lot of folks, wasn't the greatest in the world. But uh, the reality was um, I was moving on to something else. I was going to be a field engineer. And myself and a few of the other guys uh, left that department to move on to the next step. There was two guys that sticking behind. One was like my dad's age. Another guy was a older gentleman heading towards retirement. And I could tell they didn't like that job either. And I just remember saying to myself, I'll never let that happen to me. And then I got out into my next uh, jobs and positions and realized Al and Warren, who were back in that first position, they were everywhere. <laughs> and the reality is the majority of people in this world are just kind of going through the motions at work. And I'm sure you know the statistics, Chris. You know, Gallup, Deloitte, everyone else and their brother have done the surveys. And they ask people, you know, do you find work to be meaningful? And 80% of the folks say, uh, not really. You know, it might be okay, but uh, essentially just trading time for money. And that just seems like a bit of an atrocity to me. In fact, I, I saw another statistic here recently. Uh, the folks at Monster.com, they did a little survey, and they asked people, and they said, on Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening, when you think about going to work on Monday, what happens? Can you believe that 76%, three out of four people, said they had a negative physical reaction? So um, the premise here is uh, that's a big problem, and we can, fi- we can fix that problem. <laughs> so that's, that's the goal behind jailbreak leadership is turning that equation around. Work should be one of the best things that we do. It should be a place where we get to express our, our gifts and be of service in the world, and uh, we just need to fix that problem. Yeah, I can't, I, you know, I'm just thinking back to like a, a dinner party or some sort of gathering, right, where you might meet someone, and ultimately you may get into that conversation of work, and you're right, about three out of four people either have some level of anxiety about it, they have some negative comments about it. I mean, they are not excited about, A, the fact that I brought up work and you on this party on a weekend, but number two, that they have to even think about that they got to go back on Monday. And, you know, that's a really, it's... It really shouldn't be that way. I mean, we look at the, so the different Gallup numbers and things like that and how many people are, are disengaged, are actively disengaged, and uh, I guess just aren't there. So how does that uh, jailbreak journey then maybe try to bridge that gap for them? I mean, how, what's, what are some of the things that maybe we would expect to see to happen to, to ch- start to change that feeling for the average employee? Yeah, so, you know, this whole thing really started about 20 years ago. And uh, so this is a little bit of a self-serving problem I was trying to solve because I hit that wall. And so 20 years ago, I I came to this place that I call smoldering discontent. So I was was having a good career. Things were going well. And I just finished this startup that I was describing earlier. And we had some success. And quite honestly, outside looking in, I mean, I was making great money and bonuses and stock options and living in a nice house and all the things that you'd say, ah, Jeff must be killing it over there. But the reality was, I was pretty miserable that, uh, yeah, there were successes, and there, but the, the success always seemed to be sort of fleeting. And the reality was I just felt like I was striving and grinding and competing and, you know, just uh, there was, it didn't seem like the way to be living. And some, something was wrong. So when I stepped back and I kind of looked at what I saw was going on in the world, the jail I'm describing is what I call the, uh, we all, you, me, and everybody that's listening to this podcast, I think we get incarcerated by the world's model of success. And there's really three components to that. The first one is, you know, we're kind of, we kind of live in a fear-based environment, right? I mean, we got a brain that says uh, fight or flight and, and uh, we're all going to die. So we, we've got to protect ourselves. And so we're taught this whole thing about first security, you know, you got to go make money. So I, I can remember in my earliest age, and I'm sure most folks as the parents are saying, Hey, you know, you got to do good in school so you can get a good job and take care of yourself. And, and then all our schooling really orients us towards uh, getting jobs. And it isn't necessarily in line with who we are, but, you know, we've got to go get that job. And we get out and we start to go make some money. And the reality of it is you can never make enough money to be happy. I mean, I think our billionaires kind of prove that out for us. So there's step one. Step, step two is well, now you're out there and you're making money and you're looking and saying, geez, if I had my boss's job, I could be making more money. Plus, I'd have more control, a, a position of power. And so then we start striving, climbing the ladder to, you know, get those bigger and better jobs. And then step number three 
is if you do good with one and two, then guess what? You get to go buy a bunch of stuff, right? So, so now you're out here. We got the, this big machine. I, I heard the other day that we have something like we get hit with like 15,000 branded messages a day, right? Telling us you will be happy if you buy this, right? And so then we're out here just buying all this stuff that we don't really need, and half the half the population is buying it on credit, right? So we got that problem going on. And so the reality is we just start to kind of spin on this. And so for me, about 40, which is not unusual for a lot of folks, I think kind of a bit like crisis, we start to ask the question, is this it? And that's really where I was at. So I realized I was in this jail. So I was looking for some answers to that. You know, I needed a solution. And so I'd actually have been pretty successful in my career kind of addressing that employee problem of inviting people into projects I was working on, trying to make them more purposeful, find some way to connect them in, and so that was sort of my secret formula. So, Chris, I sort of thought, like, man, if I knew my own personal purpose, huh, I'd probably be a happier guy. So that's kind of set me off on this whole like, journey of uh, how am I going to Jake break out of this this jail of mine? And uh, with the idea of like, if I knew my purpose, um, that would be the answer. Well, I'm glad you brought up this idea of purpose because. You know, there are a lot of people that I see that are very happy with their jobs. No matter how hard they are, no matter what comes at, you know, at them on a daily basis, they, they, they love their job. But uh, I notice a lot of them have a very distinct purpose. Uh, for example, they're a teacher, right? And they know what their purpose is every day. They're a police officer. They're a doctor. They're, they work for, a, you know, a nonprofit helping a specific population of people. I mean, they, their, their purpose is so clear and so tied into what they're doing that that is sort of taken off the table. And yet for a lot of people working, I guess, just sort of an average job, they either don't understand what their overarching purpose is, or maybe the company hasn't defined what its purpose is, or there's just sort of this bizarre misalignment, or it's a kind of just, I don't know, a little bit fuzzy. It's not quite as specific as we might see in other professions for other jobs. So how do we bridge that? What's what we, what do we need to do? Is this a matter of going back and sitting on a rock and reflecting for a while until we get it? Or, you know, are there other things that we as individuals or as uh, inside of organizations and entrepreneurs or leaders need to be doing, I guess, to really get aligned around purpose? Well, I spent some time sitting on a rock, so I kind of get that approach and it didn't work that well for me. So let me share uh, what, what, what happened for me, because I, I think it's not that easy. I mean, I think we're all called to do it. What, what's Mark Twain's thing? Like uh, two most important days in your life is the day you're born and the second day is uh, the day you figure out why, right? So it mm-hmm. seems like we should be out figuring it out, but there was an interesting study uh, written up in the Harvard Business Review. and. Um, they went out and they interviewed a bunch of CEOs from startups on up to Fortune 100. It was international in scope. And they asked these CEOs, they said, hey, look, you know, you're, you're killing it out here in business. I'm sure you got some mission and vision plaque on the wall, but do you know your personal purpose? And Chris, you want to take a guess at how many said they knew their personal purpose? Probably not a whole lot. About 20%. So yeah. 80% of these people that we're looking to said, oh, there's my leader, really has kind of no idea who they are, what they're really doing in your life. So, so it's, it's really not that easy. And uh, so one of the things I want to share is here's some of the things, because I, I, I think there is a lot of confusion out there. And so I think one of the things I've learned along the way is what purpose is, at least in my, at least in my view of things. So, so one is purpose is not your job. Because you think about it, what you, who are you if you retire? Who are you if someone fired you? So I, I believe, you know, your job is a great way to bring your purpose out, but I don't believe it is your job. Um, another thing is a lot of people say, what's my passion? And I don't believe it's your passion either, because just like jobs, you know, our passion changes. You know, what we were passionate about when we were 10 years old versus 20 versus 30 is going to change. In fact, I even see some people be passionate about things that they're not even very good at. You know, I live in Pacific Beach down here, and every Sunday the bars are packed full of people drinking beer and watching TV, and they're very passionate about it, but it's like, that can't be your purpose, right? So I don't think it's those two things, but those are, tend to be, I think, the go-to direction uh, from the world's you know, view of this. And so what I do believe that purpose is, is one, I actually believe that we're born with a purpose, there's a reason for us to be here at a very fundamental level. And it will play out in many different ways and different venues, but there's a fundamental thing we're here to do. I believe it doesn't change. I think that fundamental purpose stays the same. And I think one of the very unique things that I discovered along the way is we're already doing it. Is we just haven't labeled it as such because it's kind of a natural thing that we do. And the bigger thing for me that really shifted my understanding of purpose was because up to that point, 
I always thought it was about me. And when I discovered it wasn't about me, but the service I bring to someone else. So my definition, purpose is a unique thing you do for others. Then all of a sudden that sort of opened up a whole uh, way, different way of looking at this for me. So my view was if I'm already doing it and I've already, always had it, and I should be able to identify and put some words to it. So in uh, my process, and it's uh, described in the book, Jailbreak Leadership, uh, we have this process called the unscripted moment. And essentially, we're looking where people are drawn into action. So, you know, if, say six of us were sitting around a table, something may occur that we all would agree, that's not right. Someone should do something about that. But the next thing you know, you realize you're the one doing something about it, right? And then you realize, you know, I always do something when that situation presents itself. And so when we can't start to look at our history when those things happen, then we can start to look at that story and say, what exactly are we doing and what are we trying to achieve? And so in our process, we end up with a two-worded purpose at a very fundamental level. It's what's the action you're taking and what's the outcome you're looking for. And so, for example, mine's mobilizing possibilities. And so in my world, I'm always frustrated by people that have a glass half full. I'm frustrated when you know people can't figure out how to get things unstuck. If I'm sitting around a group of people and we're going around in circles, I'm the guy to get up and go, all right, let's you know, let me move you forward. And I have the skill set to do that. So one of the things that's interesting about purpose is that you don't stop and go, well, how do I? What am I going to do? Do I need a plan? You just jump into action. I think you mature and evolve over time and with the things you can do. But it's a very natural phenomenon, and that's one of the reasons I think it's. Uh, kind of we don't see it because it's so simple. It's kind of like, you know, when you got strength, so you don't realize what you find easy. The other guy finds hard. And you can't figure out why that guy can't do what you do. Purpose is along the same lines, but it's really a, a, a an act of service. Well, and that great connector between uh, understanding what you do well um, and then purpose. I think that you bring those two things together really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and often I try to go back even to the Simon Sinek kind of real basic version for people when they're looking at purpose. It's just why do you do what you do? What What is the why in there? That's usually a pretty good place to start, but then it gets much more complicated than that, uh, or at least I think there's an opportunity to go deeper uh, than that, which is, I, th- I think, what I'm hearing you say. There's just places for us to go and really understand, you know, what is our part in these different conversations, or what is it What is it we do, or we bring to groups or our organizations that really brings value, right, that people, uh, I guess it helps in a positive way. And, and maybe people just don't I, I, we certainly don't spend a lot of time thinking about that in school. We probably don't spend enough time thinking about that as we become adults. Um, and then we get to work and it's, you know, we're good at maybe a skill or, or something in particular. And we go and do that uh, to your earlier point of, you know, and then we get success and we start making money on that. And then we're told we need to buy these clothes and have this boat that we'll never use. And, um, you know, and then suddenly we're not happy. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we go back to sit on that rock or, or do whatever we're going to do to maybe figure that out. Um, uh, you know, so I, I guess it's it's kind of all encompassing for people. But I guess do do we as leaders need to go back and spend some time helping our people figure that out? Or what's the, the appropriate sort of way to, I guess, to sort of mitigate? And we know so many people haven't done that work or haven't thought about that. Is that our responsibility as leaders to go back and help them do that? So how I bring this into the business world is it, it starts with the leader. So I do the, business, the purpose work with the leader. So we, we work with them to discover what their personal purpose is. So once again, I mean, we have a process that helps people flush this out. And I got and I can, we can give you an example of that if you'd like. I mean, what's looked like for sure. somebody. But once you discover it, it becomes very foundational. You don't think, oh, my goodness, I'm doing this everywhere. I feel good about doing this. This brings meaning and impact when I do it, right? And so what we do then is we say, all right, if that's your purpose, now we're looking for where are you passionate? Where, where, where can we bring this to life? And so if you're a business leader, you're running your business, you're doing the success thing, you're chasing success and doing all the things I described earlier. You still got to do that. That's about being effective and efficient, right? But the whole idea of purpose is bring significance into the business. It's about, you know, bringing in the unique and meaningful kinds of things. And so what happens is we use the person's purpose to help inform the, the, the branded purpose of the organization which becomes the calling card, the unique calling card for that business. So, you know, we may be plumbers, but what's the unique thing that we're doing that people get excited about? And so that's where you invite people into the bigger picture. And to your point, then you invite them in and you say, as a good leader, why, if this has changed my life, why wouldn't I change the life of the people working for me? Let's help them figure out what they are. How do they play best in my business? How do we align people appropriately? from this perspective that people can start to have uh, a great experience where they're working. 
Uh, let me, I'd love to share a quick story with you, just an example of what this looks like. So, like I said, you, you land on a two-word of purpose. I had a client come to me. She um, had been working for a company for 13 years, was a startup. They were successful, and uh, but it runs course, right? I mean, uh, it's kind of the same old, same old, in the grind. So she was looking at a career change, and she said, uh, you know, Jeff, before I uh, make this big change, I'll make sure I'm doing the right thing. I really like to know what my purpose is. So we did the work together, and her two pur- purpose words were clarifying perspective which sounds kind of weird, but she was drawn into action anytime she sees people in conflict. So two people, it could be arguing, it could be between a boss and a subordinate, it could be between a person and the values of the company. Wherever this conflict's at, she steps in and has this natural ability to help people see the world in a different way. So she lands on these two words. We, we send people off and we say, if this, these are the words, if they're going to show up, let's go confirm it. She comes back a week later. I said, Cheryl, how'd it go? She goes, yeah, unbelievable. She goes, this morning I was clarifying perspective for my granddaughter who's had, got issues with her friends, but at work, you wouldn't believe how often I'm doing this. And so it went from, I'm ready to leave this job to, I can't imagine going somewhere else because all of a sudden she saw the value she was bringing. And then the second thing was she felt more empowered to do more of it. And here's the crazy story, right? No reason to leave, so she stayed with the company. And just recently, she got a 30% raise for the same job. I mean, that doesn't happen in corporate America, right? I mean, right. no one gets a 30% raise. So obviously, people said, oh, my goodness, Cheryl. <laughs> you know, this is amazing what you're doing. So imagine uh, you having a department and have everyone sitting around that table knowing the same thing Cheryl knows and then knowing it about each other and being the leader of that group. So that's what it starts to look like to live out your purpose. Well, that's great stuff. And um, I, I really hope that people can can think about doing that, uh, can have that uh, interaction with their people or bring someone in like yourself to kind of, you know, help them bridge that gap and do that. You know, uh, one of the things I love to ask our uh, our guests is, is there a book that you're reading right now that you might share with us? Yeah, I'm actually reading a book called uh... We make the road by walking. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a faith-based guy, and so this has got a, definitely a, a faith uh, uh, part of it, but it really just kind of speaks to exactly what I'm talking about and just how we're walking out our lives here because it's sort of interesting when you get this purpose program. It actually is a little bit opposite of the world. All of a sudden, you actually have to start to make some changes in your life in regards to, you know, it's not about making the money. It's not about buying the next thing. And so it's not about getting. It's actually about giving. And so I, I get how the world's model works. You know, I do this, like I go buy something, I get instant gratification. When you're giving and you're being of service, you're not always sure exactly how it's going to come back. But the interesting part is, Chris, it always comes back, sometimes not the way expected, but usually a lot bigger. And all the statistics in the world talk about the purpose-driven organizations and just how they just, because of employee engagement, customer satisfaction, uh, drawing your vendors in a big way, they just completely outperform the profit-driven organization. So this is a great way to implement the, the purpose-driven organization. What's sort of the, the big picture here? You know, where, where are you seeing your movement going? Where are you seeing leadership and talent going? I love sort of bringing that. We love to ask that book question because that kind of helps us kind of think about where, you're, where your mind is right now and where you're going, uh, which sometimes for people isn't always uh, doesn't always match the words that they're saying, but I think for you it certainly does. So, what's the big picture look like for for us uh, going forward here? You know, for the next ten years. Well, I think it's really, really exciting. Um, like I said, I actually been managing this way kind of my whole career by some sort of default. Just you know, I just knew if I got the people part right, my projects would work out. And all I've done is fine tune that over the years, and not really adding a a specific purpose process to help bring meaning to work and bring people in and get them all excited. And so I'm out here doing this work, and I'm just getting going, but I think the timing's perfect because there's a big shift going on in the world. I mean, you're seeing it from uh, the, the guys, the big corporate guys saying, oh, man, we need to move past the uh, focus on shareholder only. We need to be doing bigger things. Uh, we've got uh, the triple bottom line. We've got conscious capitalism. And we have half the workforce, which is millennials, who aren't security-driven like uh, I am at 63. They're saying, I want more from work, uh, and I want my company to be social conscious, and I want us to take a stand on politics. So I think business is really going to be changing over the next five to ten years as people truly start to embrace that this is not just about getting up and going to work and turning the crank, go home, watch TV, go to sleep, get up, and turn the, you know, people are saying, I want to go spend my eight, ten hours a day doing something that really brings value to me. So I, I believe that we're just getting ready to 
in a place where work is going to be an amazing place to be. And even from the standpoint of AI and technology, I think, once again, it's going to the creative part of us. We're really going to get to start to be humans at work again and not just machines that are tallying numbers and answering phones, but really getting to participate in a new level. And the new leader is going to have to be people that facilitate that. Yeah, and I think that's going to be exciting. And, you know, they're really, I just think back what leadership looked like, what our organizations look like, what culture, even what we valued. We certainly seem to be valuing engagement by our people quite a bit more than we even did five years ago or 10 years ago. And so I guess it's sort of, it, there's excitement on my part of where we're going to end up, that we, you know, how much more we might, we might do, how much more we might value. And maybe the progress we might be able to make, because you know I can think back just when I started my organization, it was just you know command and control or like some sports based leadership system was about every, what most people were doing. I mean certainly there were exceptions to the rule, and I think now we're we're already seeing that the I guess that what the medium is, what's the average company doing with with their people, has certainly changed for the better. We've got a long ways to go. <laughs> But um, yeah, we're on our way, though, Chris. Yeah, look. yeah, and that's good. And that's exciting that we're on our way. So, well, how can people find out more about you if they're interested in learning more about what you do? Maybe having you come in and help them. What's the best way to do that? Yeah, sure. Um, probably the easiest way is just go to www.jailbreakleadership.com. That actually will take you to my podcast page, and you can listen to some other folks that have been on the journey with me and other folks that have been uh, focused on purpose and business and get a little insight as to what this looks like and how it's worked for other folks. And that also gets you to my webpage and lots of different ways to connect with me. But you also can uh, connect directly with me at uh, J Blanton. So J for Jeff Blanton is B-L-A-N-T-O-N at blantongroup.com. And uh, love to talk to you. Or I'm a public speaker. Happy to always come in and talk to your groups as well and talk about how do we make make work more meaningful for everybody so we can get excited about what we're doing and really get out there and get some great results. Well, Jeff, I'm hoping uh, people will reach out. And uh, I know that certainly you have a lot of great resources there. So really looking forward to, to learning more about you and, and what you're doing. And hopefully we can have you come back at some point and give us an update and we'll keep the conversation going. Well, I appreciate that. And it's uh, been a real pleasure to be on the show. And I feel be blessed to be part of your show because I've listened to a lot of the other speakers on your podcast. And uh, you brought, you've brought in some really, really quality folks. So I feel lucky to be part of that group. All right, Jeff. Thank you so much. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break with my next guest, Nick Cavato. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Talent Talk radio show. In case you missed my last guest, uh, Jeff, you can catch him on our uh, podcast. We turn this into that. Uh, you can go to talenttalkradio.com right now and uh, become a subscriber to Podbean, or you can go to iTunes, uh, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcasts, you can get us in there. So we're really excited to bring in our next guest, uh, you know, and I probably have said his name three different times already, and I probably said it wrong, so hopefully he can correct me, but um, we'll give it another try here. So Nick... Uh, Kavuto, I think, is is what it is, and Kavuto X. So C A V U O T O X is the name of the company. And uh, so, Nick, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much, man. And yes, you're you're absolutely like you're ninety percent there, man. It's ninety percent. Well, that's yes, that's part of the course for me. Show, so man. let let's hear it correctly. <laughs> yes, awesome. So Nick Kavuto, so happy to be here, and thank you so so much, Chris, for the opportunity, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, so why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? Uh, what's 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 there to know about you and what you're doing besides how to properly say your last name? 
uh, so we can kick this conversation off. Right on, man. Yeah, you know, I mean, in the big picture, you know, I'm just a true, uh, you know, true blood entrepreneur. My family, we've been entrepreneurs for over 100 years consecutively. And um, it's just a really beautiful thing, man. Um, and so really my focus has been, you know, helping businesses that are looking to scale across six, seven, and eight figures. And um, I've kind of really opened up the gamut. I'm one of the only coaches out there who can coach at multiple levels of business. I have a big, big heart for people who are just getting started because you and I, right, we know what it's like to just be getting started. And my goodness, if only we could get access to the intuition or the intelligence or, you know, like whatever the strategies or whatever the mindsets were that were needed to get to the next level, um, it would really, it would have guaranteed us, right, those quicker results. And that's why I always say relationships are rocket ships. And it's so true. If you get a right, around the right people, you end up getting the, the results that maybe, you know, it seemed impossible to get before. So, you know, really, I mean, at the end of the day, um, I'm coaching people through the growth of their online businesses. Uh, my experience ranges from startups in Boston to startups in New York to Fortune 500 companies actually in the HR space, uh, as funny as it is. That was a, it seems many, many moons ago, as well as a background and vocational ministry actually was the first thing I ever did. I was a pastor of a church and, um, you know, helped people along their spiritual journey. And uh, that was at the very beginning. But we grew really fast from 1,000 to 10,000 people. And uh, so it wasn't a small mission, but it's really beautiful how it ended up dovetailing into the work that I do today. So so that's, that's the bottom line, man. Here to tell stories, to gather, spend time together, and really inspire those who are, you know, growing their businesses and really growing uh, their personal brands as well. Well, it seems like uh, kind of based on what you're doing uh, and as well as what you, you kind of just start off and talking about coaching and relationships. So I'm kind of wondering maybe we could start with relationships and, you know, have you seen that really be the, the place to kind of, I guess, fuel the direction of your business and to feed the direction of your business? Because as someone who's an entrepreneur myself and I do a bit of, I don't call it coaching, I call it consulting because I don't like to stick around for too long. I like to go in and help them create a giant fire and then I'm out uh, as opposed to helping them keep the fire going. So I guess that's a little more of a consultant role, but you know, the relationship feels like the thing that really fuels everything. So I kind of wanted to get your perspective on that. Yeah, man. I mean, at the end of the day, the number one challenge of an entrepreneur, I think is getting out of their own way. And what's really special is that the right relationships and people who really want to see you succeed and who really love you and who understand that it's not about competition, it's about collaboration those people will speak into your life in a way of where you're able to see things that maybe you weren't able to see before, or you didn't have the visibility to see the things that were actually possible. And that's why this whole thing is so critical about relationships is because it's the fastest path to growth, because it allows us to potentially trust someone else's vision in us than our own doubts that reside really deep down in our heart. And so the whole idea around getting around the right people has to do with the fact that we can attach ourselves to, let's be it, their vision, what they see, what they feel differently than what we do, and allows us to operate as the person who we need to be in order to get to where we're trying to go. And uh, I mean, any billionaire or, you know, look at massive people who are really, really successful in business, they will all tell you, like the five friends that you keep around yourself. How long have we been told that for, right, since kids? The five, the five people that you keep yourself around really will determine the outcome of your life. And so I just, I just take that to the bank straight up. I mean, it's just, I believe that it's the most foundational element of any entrepreneur or any, you know, uh, even marriage being successful. It takes the openness, the transparency, you know, partnerships, all those things in order to reach really your full destination. So uh, I have an interesting theory on this as well, as far as how we show up and, the right relationships will provide you with two things. There's a duality to it. So I call, you know, ourselves as entrepreneurs, sometimes we land in the space of being the informed skeptic, right? Can you relate with this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, you know, uh, you know I, I only can see inside the box that I'm in. So uh, it's, it's hard. I feel like I'm trying to push too hard. I feel like I'm striving. And along comes the uninformed optimist. This is why John Maxwell has a principle that he talks about that's uh, basically never get too far away from the fire of someone who's just getting started. So this is why I told you at the beginning I work with people who are from six figures to eight figures is because sometimes the person at eight figures needs a breakthrough and the reminder of why they got started. And that uninformed optimist approach about that person who just sees the world as truly their oyster. 
that there's nothing that can hold them back, that truly they can do anything that they want to accomplish. So relationships. I think yeah, I can't believe how many entrepreneurs I've talked to that say, <laughs> you know, I had the same experience I did, which was I was like too dumb to know that I wasn't supposed to start this business. I was too dumb to know. Mm. I'm too just, you know, blinded by my, uh, your, to your point, this blind optimism that, you know, maybe I shouldn't start this business in the middle of a recession. Or maybe I should, you know, maybe I didn't know enough or I didn't have enough protection. I just showed up and did it. Um, yep. And yet, you know, you can get very jaded later on in, inside of your business when things uh, have more value, not more value, but more, there's more risk, right? There's far more things built up. You suddenly have a mortgage mm-hmm. and a family and all these things. And so uh, you can forget those things that you had early on. That blind confidence sometimes is just, it's so key, right? 100%, Hen. Yeah, it is so key. And, you know, there's time for calculation, but there's also time for intuition. And I think that that's what we really move away from is we op- we start operating in a mode of scarcity where we feel like, oh, man, this, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to hit payroll this week and this thing's going to happen. Meanwhile, you're running a multi-seven-figure business, you know, and you're over-invested, but you're investing in maybe the wrong things or the right ele- the wrong elements, and you don't have that objectivity. Just that one person asked the question to you, that one spark of inspiration or that one confirmation. Someone said something very specific that you're like, ah, that's exactly what I need to hear. And loneliness being one of the number one problems with entrepreneurs, I mean, my God, you can see how this dilemma just seems to never end. And it's yeah. truly because we are trying to figure it out on our own. We're getting to places of where a lot of the, you know, the gurus out there, they're all slinging their, you know, uh, their multi-step processes and formulas. And, you know, it's all formulated by resources and money and all this stuff. And it's like, that's just not the way the new world is going to work. It is about collaboration and it's about uplifting one another. Because if you believe what I believe, which is that entrepreneurs are the people who are actually going to change the world, then they are part of your source and being what helps answer the questions, get over the hurdles, including ourselves, and really allow you to reach the vision of what you feel like is your full potential and that of what you want to, the gift that you want to give to humanity. So they're extremely important. Yeah. Uh, And, 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 you know, it's, I think there's. I think often people look at this through one lens about who we keep around us. And and that is really important. Uh, our, our relationships that we choose to have are really important. You know, we want to have mentors there. We want to have great people around us that are believe in us and, and help us be our best. Uh, and often, though, and I wanted to get your thought on this, I, it's often just as important that we filter out certain types of people. You know, it's easy to say, geez, I need these five kinds of people in my life. That's great. But you, you have more than five people in your life. You have hundreds mm-hmm. of people in your life. And so, you know, it's maybe those people that are only attached to you because they're trying to get something from you, people that are consistent takers, people that would never return the favor. I mean, there are some very, cl- you know, I, I have friends that are like such, so risk adverse, they, w- they wouldn't take you know, the most simplest of risk or the simplest of bets to for have a huge outcome because they would rather just hold on to, you know, whatever they have. And so, which is not the mindset of an entrepreneur. So how, do you disagree or agree? How do you see the, that the intentional, who you keep around you being compared to who you keep, I guess, out of your sphere of influence? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. But just like anything in anything else in life, as you gain experience and you gain clarity, you realize that relationships, um, you know, in your life, some of them are meant to be there forever. Uh, but there's usually like one person. I mean, and to be honest with you, everything in life is temporary. So this is foundational based on stories that I know and the story of things in my life, as well as, you know, my belief systems and my values, which determine the actions, meaning that determines who I'm going to actually spend my time with. And um, at every season of my life where I've had a massive upgrade, I've had to take a hard assessment at the people who I'm around. And so, you know, a lot of times we get in these stuck patterns of whether it's codependency or uh, misguided loyalty or whatever it is where we get super stuck. And, well, you know, I I just can't let this relationship go or this person go or whatever. And, you know, man, this is a huge thing. Business is a mirror to our personal life especially for entrepreneurs and especially for personal brands. Business is a mirror to your life. Therefore, as your business grows, as your business excels, as your business evolves, your personal life has to follow it. Otherwise, you step into incongruency and you can't grow. You know, like if your partner, let's say you're married, if your partner is not evolving with you 
Why do you think that entrepreneurs, over 85% of entrepreneurs get divorced? Of well, course, this is a conversation that no one else is having. I mean, it's stress, it's money, it's, I mean, there's other, lots of things, right? But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, 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 it's one of the biggest things that we have to deal with. Yeah, dude, it's huge. It's huge. And it's the evolution of the person themselves. And I'm not talking about like scientifically. I mean, like mostly it's, it's just an internal acceleration and growth and you start seeing and, you know, I mean, do you see this, the world the same way you did now as you did when you were 18? Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. Yeah, and we were just talking about this with Jeff before we, we came over to you, and and I almost told him, I, I you know, it's like this is why I don't have a tattoo. You know, the tattoo I would have wanted at eighteen is different than the one at twenty one, which is different than the one at thirty five. Which you know, you're sort of you you're a constantly evolving person, uh, and what you like and what you value and what you where you are, I guess, on that growth pattern, right? Uh, if, if I had thrown a tattoo on my arm or my leg or whatever, <laughs> based on where I as where I was at that part of my life, I and right now I'd be looking back at it going, oh, maybe I shouldn't have gotten that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that transfers into you know how people view what they're doing, right? But I think that's one of my pet peeves. You. you know, people who don't you. look at life as a as a growth, right? As a continually trying to get better. You know, so I'm always trying to get people uh, be around people who do think that way. I don't know if that's that that's a good connector for you as an entrepreneur as well. Yeah, I mean, it's regret is poison. Anytime you're in your life and you fall into a place of regret, it usually has to do with that you didn't actually listen to yourself, and now mm-hmm. you have to live in the consequences of what you actually knew you were supposed to do versus what you know action you decided to take. And, and that really can be huge. Relationship, uh, right? Oh, yeah, dude, right. everything. Because yeah. now you're you know you're viewing life in a rearview mirror. And that's where, if you're looking back, you can't go forward. This is why it's poison. It actually is the largest form of self-sabotage that exists. So give yourself permission to be human if you've had certain things in your life that potentially you regret. And live in the understanding that those lessons served you for that period of time to get you to where you're at today. See it as that, accept it, and then move on. So I know one of the things that we wanted to talk about today with you was... Building stronger relationships for content. Maybe you can explain what that means and, and, and how, how you see that working for people. Let me give you a formula really quick. So if you're listening, now would be a good time to get a pen and piece of paper out for those of you who are on live. And if you're listening on a replay or on a podcast, you know, you're going to want to jot this one down. Content builds relationships. Relationships build trust and trust drives revenue. So if you want to grow in your business, you need to produce more content because it's the, it's the initial delivery mechanism of the relationships and trust that you need in order to generate more impact in the world. And, and that's a so good step-by-step right for people, right? They often don't, they want to get, they want to go from step A to, to, to step Z, and really they need to go through a process, right? And then that's how content should really work. And I love sort of your breakdown there, that you, you got to do it to build that relationship, and that relationship will build trust, and then trust in, in, into actually having business with somebody. Yeah, 100%. Marketing is about opening up a relationship, not closing the sale. My mentor, Mike Kim, taught me that. And it's something that contextualizes why we market or why we create content. And the number one killer for most entrepreneurs as far as the content game goes, again, this is specific to personal brands, but contextual for, for even product brands. But like, if I can just kind of stick in that personal brand space or like those entrepreneurs who really want to make a huge impact in the world, like... I always have everyone start out with a personal story when they're creating content. So I have 13 steps uh, that people can take in creating content specifically uh, if they're entrepreneurs and especially if they're a personal brand. And I'd be happy to give that to you and, and make sure that the listeners have an opportunity to, uh, to get access to those 13 specific content types for entrepreneurs. The first one that I open up is always a personal story. And the crazy thing is it creates massive vulnerability for you to your audience, which invokes trust immediately. But what the entrepreneur doesn't realize, and this is kind of the Jedi hack in it, is that they usually tell a personal story that frees them because we're still human. We still have skeletons in the closets. I've had entrepreneurs who are like, you know what? I mean, my wife and I have had a miscarriage. You think I should talk about that? And dude, oh man, my gut sinks. And it's like immediate compassion for them and a sense of empathy of, I am so incredibly sorry that that happened to you. And that is not fair. But your confidence to speak that message will not only bring healing to you, 
but to the person that needs to hear it most. If entrepreneurs are truly change agents, if we really believe that we're the ones who are going to make the biggest impact in the world, this is not about slinging, you know, your widgets. That's a complete injustice. This is about being human. Yeah, and really delivering that message, delivering that real, you know, it's just just pure, uh, it's honesty, right? We're not, you're not trying to go out there and pretend you're, you're somebody who you're not or to tell somebody else's stories, but to tell your own stories and to whether they're good or bad or lessons learned uh, and then try to connect with people in that way. And I guess maybe the exercise there is as you get better at it, you figure out how those stories and how your lessons connect to your brand, connect to where you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. I obviously can tell a story about something that happened to me in third grade that doesn't have any relevance to what I'm trying to do with my brand. We need to find those right stories in the right moments uh, to share, but I think you're absolutely right in, in in using those as a as a as it's the first easy step, right? It's just to tell a story, to tell something that that people can connect to as a way to allow them to see into you and and uh, to go to go back to your earlier point to begin to build that relationship, right? Yeah, and to be honest, Chris, I guarantee you that that third grade story has 100% adaptability to your business. <laughs> right. I guarantee you. And the thing is, remember, we're working with people. And the moment that we are willing to create the highest levels of vulnerability. So for me, the fact that I created a seven figure agency and it fucking blew up, excuse me, sorry, it blew up. <laughs> but what happened in that moment of when it exploded, I went $120,000 in the debt. I lost my best friend of 25 years. Everything in my life shattered. I almost lost my kids, my relationship, my house, everything. And the reason why this is so hot for me and again, I apologize about my language, so please feel free to edit that out. But the moment that that happened, I realized it's because I was living in a very high level of incongruency. And it, re- dude, it really crushed me, man. Mm. And I realized I had built something that was to the expectation and mapping to the expectation of other people and what they, I thought they wanted from me and not what I thought was actually my greatest work. Right. And now I'm, I'm finding it absolutely amazing how you're you're kind of really connecting and, and and taking the point on from what our first guest was talking about. I mean, this is kind of being inauthentic and, and thinking, living our lives for other people and what everyone else wants from us, what we think society wants, what we think we're supposed to buy, what we think we're supposed to do, uh, instead of being true to ourselves and true to our relationships and taking that moment and that time to go back and think, what is our purpose and what are we really what are we really happy doing? What is our, what is our authentic actions we look like? And then somehow, you know, and if we can take that and connect it to our work uh, to have much better, um, you know, outcomes opposed to if I buy this house or to have this boat or have these people in my lives, that's going to somehow make me happy, which, which it never does. Right. Yeah, dude. It's so true, man. It's so true. And I, I think that telling those stories and uh, being vulnerable and being honest, like those are the things that create the connection that establishes kind of like that of it almost feels like, ah, they understand me or man, they're not just trying to be the, you know, invincible guru, you know, who has all the answers and gosh, they must have nothing wrong in their life. And they're, here's their Ferrari and you know, their, their, their partner who looks a certain way. And, you know, like you start adding all those things up and you're like, this just can't be real. Connection is the ultimate currency. And so our ability to go honest and deep and accidentally cuss on a radio show, <laughs> actually provides the trust factors that are required for people to just see us. And that draws in people closer so that we can help them really achieve the, the, um, the transformation in their life and their business and, you know, the upgrades and all that stuff that they're actually looking for. Nobody really wants a, a Tesla or a McLaren or whatever. Like there's just something there that's trying to be satisfied. What we really want to do is make an impact. We really want to do is prove to, to our third grade teacher, or fifth grade teacher, or our friend or our mom or the person who said we can never do it. We really just want to go back and prove to them that it was possible right. or to ourselves. And so we really unearth those things by just first just telling a vulnerable story. You know, step 13 is to make a call to action. That's the crazy thing is there's 12 more. There's 12 steps before you even actually should ask for anything that create the frame and the context and the trust and all the things that are required so that when you actually compel someone to take an action, they're like already trying to message you or call you or connect with you before that point even happens because you've just become human. 
And that's at the deepest level of human nature is we want connection and belonging. And that's why it's so important. Well, it's very obvious that you have spent a lot of time thinking about this. And uh, one of the things we love to ask our, our guests uh, is, is there a book that you're reading right now that you might share with us? Book that I'm reading. Messy Spirituality. Messy Spirituality. That sounds good. Well, yeah. this is why we like to ask this question, because we get a good insight into what you're thinking about and maybe where your mind is. And uh, uh, certainly that ties in well with everything you've been talking about today. Um, hopefully people can uh, check that out. And I'm really hoping that they will check you out and uh, maybe visit your site or reach out to you uh, through whatever social uh, platforms are appropriate and maybe get your 13 uh, steps that you mentioned. And, and to that end, what is the best way for people to do that, to find you, to get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. You guys can check out my website. It's nickcubito.com uh, as well as on any social platform. I spend the most amount of time on Facebook and Instagram at Nick Cavuto, N-I-C-K. C-A-V, like victory, which is what my first name means. And then uh, U-O-T-O. And uh, yeah, feel free to connect, send me a DM. I always respond to every message. So, you know, if there's anything that I can help you with, what I'd really love to hear is just what spoke to you the most. You know, so um, when you reach out, let me know what spoke to you the most and what's the number one problem that you have. And, you know, I'm more than happy to connect you with someone or something or a resource, whatever it is that I can help you just evolve in the steps of your business. Because at the end of the day, like I said at the beginning, it's not about competition. It's not collaboration. So I don't care what space you're in, you know, or where you're at with your business or life. Um, I'm happy to just step alongside you, encourage you, prompt you, and that be a part of your journey. So, yeah, man, 100%. I really appreciate the opportunity as well. Yeah, and I'm really uh, glad we had you on the show today. And hopefully we can have you come back at some point point, give us an update on all the things that you're doing, what you're thinking about. And I really hope that people are able to reach out to you and make a good connection and to to hopefully learn to continue to learn from you uh, as I hope they continue to learn from the show. So thanks for being here, Nick. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much, Chris. Appreciate it. All right. Our next uh, live show will be on uh, March 3rd. Our guest, uh, first confirmed guest is Marjorie Berdino. She is actually back on the show. Back, she was one of our early guests in uh, June of 2015. So we're looking uh, forward to an update from her. She's has a new job and a new, new uh, career. Uh, founder of a consulting firm, uh, looks like Chenny uh, Pearl Inc. So we're excited to get uh, more from her and everything that's going on there, as well as a possible second guest. But we'll get you all that information. Just follow us on Twitter, at PeopleG2, the hashtag Talent Talk. And uh, we'll be announcing everything regarding the show and guests there as well. So until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. listen to Talent Talk Radio brought to you by People G2.